Thank you for having me here again with you this morning. It's a privilege to be here with you and join with you um, in summer to look at a psalm together. So will you pray with me as we begin this time? Father God, we gather together this morning to open your word together. We pray for open ears and open hearts, that we would hear and remember what you want to say to us. And Lord, as I preach, I pray that the words that are from you would take root in our hearts to flourish and grow. And the ones that are just from me would be blown away like dust and forgotten. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Now, I love that you are starting your new year in the Psalms. It's a great way to reorientate perspective because we look back over 2018 and we look forward and ponder what's ahead in 2019. Now, like the Psalms, the year just gone for you was probably full of highs and lows. And the year ahead will almost certainly be like that too. Now, hands up if something disappointing or bad happened to you in 2018. I'm surprised that not everyone's hand is up, but that's okay. Hands up if something made you smile at least once in 2018. Yes? Excellent. Were you hungry or frustrated or happy or tired at any point in 2018? Yes, thought so. These are common human experiences, and they're all in the Psalms. Within Psalms, there are praises and laments. There are expressions of fear and depression and joy and everything in between. The Psalmist is speaking our language, and it's the language of all of humanity. Now, I often think that reading the Psalms is a little bit like picking up someone else's diary. It's a glimpse into an intimate conversation between one person and their creator. It's a record of someone's struggle, someone's praise, questions, doubts, and often even within the same psalm. And we see the psalmist taking it all to God. A lot of the psalms were written by David, but there are also some other authors thrown in there too. So we're looking over a few people's shoulders when we're reading them. And often when we read them, we hear ourselves in there too. We hear the psalmist saying something that we know to be true in our own lives. Sometimes they even sound like they're speaking on our behalf. And we might turn to them when we don't have our own words to pray. So today we're looking at Psalm 86, and that's a prayer of David. It opens with a plea to God to listen, and it puts David in a position of relying on God. He starts with, hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Now, poor and needy, it's not necessarily a way we like to describe ourselves to others, is it? We like people to see us as capable and in control and successful. And often, we don't like to admit if things are tough or that we're struggling in life. In fact, needy is often used as a negative word to describe someone else. We might describe someone who's demanding on our time or our resources as needy. Or we might use it to describe someone who we think needs our charity, a term of pity for someone else. But here is David, a king and a ruler. He's wealthy, he's powerful, he's strong, and he's called into his role by God himself. Yet here he is coming before God and calling himself poor and needy. In his opening words of this prayer, he's positioning his himself under God and is humbly stating his real place in the relationship. Now listen to this psalm again. As you do, 
Listen for the way that David describes God and also himself. Listen for the way that David sees himself in relation to God. This is a prayer of recognition of David's weakness and God's strength. And we hear his complete dependence on God. I was going to invite you to open your Bibles, but it looks like you're already onto it. So let's have a listen. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I'm in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Rufus people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me, because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness, that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Now, I was speaking to a friend at my own church in Dandenong a couple of weeks ago, and she mentioned how encouraged she has been to read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, they were thrown into a fiery furnace, and everyone expected them to die. Now, I know that this is not our main text for today, but the beauty of Scripture is that it tells a whole story across many different parts. It's a story of God and man. And by looking backwards and forwards at different parts of Scripture, we often learn something new about the passage that we're studying. So I think that the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego has some similarities with David's plea in Psalm 86. So let me read you part of this story. This is in Daniel 3. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, the worship of God is central in Psalm 86, but in this context, in Daniel 3, it's worship of someone and something else. So listen for the different focus in worship as we go through the story. Anyway, back to the story. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of a horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, it's a big band, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, if you know this story, you will know that the men were then taken from the fire, that King Nebuchadnezzar had a change of heart, he praised God, and he promoted these three guys. But they still had to go through the fire. And they had told the king that God could and would save them, but that even if he didn't, they were actually okay with that too. And so they were thrown into the fire. And at this point, perhaps they were praying, well, now would be a good time, God, for you to sweep in and rescue us. Any time now, this is pretty hot. But they were thrown in. And scripture says that it was so hot that even the people who threw them in died. And this is the bit that was such an encouragement to my friend. She noticed that they were walking around in there and that there were four of them. You see, God could have spared them from the furnace He could have taken them straight out. He could have caused the fire to stop. He could have caused King Nebuchadnezzar to change his mind. But in they went. And then someone joined them in there. Someone who looked like a son of the gods. And they were walking around in there, which means they weren't just curled up in the corner trying to survive the heat. Instead of rescuing them from their circumstances, God made himself known alongside them. They were all in the furnace together. And they had no choice but to rely completely on God and his promises and just wait to see what happened. Now, there are a couple of points in that story where I think we have some similarity with Psalm 86. One is the mention of worship. Did you notice the mention of worshipping King Nebuchadnezzar and this image of gold in the Daniel passage? I hope so because I pointed it out. It's totally different, though, from David worshipping God in Psalm 86. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were as determined as David that they would worship God alone. They had undivided hearts. 
and they refuse to compromise. Now the second point is that so often when we pray, we pray for rescue. We pray for a change of circumstances. We pray for physical healing or other things that will relieve our discomfort. And it's true, God loves to give us good things. But good things isn't always just about our comfort. Sometimes God doesn't change our circumstances. Sometimes he doesn't give, give us exactly what we want. It doesn't always make sense to us. But through this, we learn more about God and ourselves. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes it makes sense in hindsight. But even if it doesn't ever make sense, we have to learn to trust that God loves us and is in the furnace with us. Now I want us to hear not just what this is saying, but what it's not saying. It's not saying that God causes bad things to happen to people to teach them a lesson. Sometimes things just happen for no other reason other than we live in a fallen world amongst a fallen humanity. Things happen because we or others make mistakes. Things happen because even though the world was created perfect, it has been marred and broken by sin. God is not sitting somewhere far off and causing fires or floods or death or sickness to teach you a lesson. He's not spending his time causing you pain or being vindictive because he doesn't like you. So much of what we experience is simply the result of living in a fallen, broken world. People hurt one another and it hurts God just as much as it hurts us. God didn't manipulate Nebuchadnezzar to throw those three guys into the fire to give us an object lesson for church today. Nebuchadnezzar was proud and he was arrogant and he certainly wasn't stopping and asking God for instruction. He made those decisions all by himself. And yet, despite their trust in God, those three guys were thrown into the furnace. But that doesn't mean that God shrugs his shoulders and abandons us either. He doesn't just say, well, that bad thing happened because people hurt other people and that's not my problem and it's nothing to do with me. In the case of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they had company in the furnace. And Psalm 86 gives us a better perspective on this. Now, as we look at this psalm, have a look at what David is asking of God. In this particular psalm, some of David's requests are, Hear me, answer me, guard my life, have mercy on me, hear my prayer, listen to my cry, teach me your way. Give me an undivided heart. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength. Save me. Give me a sign of your goodness. This psalm is a cry to be reminded who God is and to know God. It's not necessarily a plea for a change of circumstances. Unlike some of the other psalms where it does, God is asked to cut off enemies and kill them and lift the author out of a pit. This particular psalm is focused on God. It speaks of who he is, what he's done, and who we are in relation to God. It's rich with praise, and the things it asks of God are always in relation to his character and the relationship that exists between God and the author. So David is praying this psalm and he's reminding God and himself of their relationship. And there are so many phrases that speak of this relationship, so I encourage you to have a look at them when you get home. But here's a few that speak of the relationship. 
I am faithful to you, your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. I call to you. I put my trust in you. I call to you because you answer me. Teach me. I will praise you. I will glorify your name. Great is your love toward me. You have delivered me. Have mercy on me. I serve you. You have helped and comforted me. It's the language of relationship. Now, our theme today is the God who changes us. What we see in this psalm is that the change is in our attitude and our perspective, not necessarily our circumstances. We can be in the middle of our own furnace, of illness or pain, or success, or conflict, loss, excitement, unemployment, loneliness, whatever our furnace is. Yet still, we can know who God is and what he's done. Regardless of what's swirling or burning around us, this psalm reminds us to look to God. And David's prayer is captured in verse 11 and 12, which is part of what Phil opened today's service with. So listen to these verses. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. David is praying for God to continue to teach him to look upwards. He's praying for a heart that looks only to God and continually praises him. Now remember who we're listening to. David is a king, and according to culture, he can have or get whatever he wants. He knows he's called, ordained, and protected by God in that role. Now, I would imagine it would have been tempting for him to just rely on his own power and influence. He would have been surrounded by people who would do whatever he wanted. Yet in this moment, even a king recognises his dependence on God. Here is David on his knees, poor and needy, praying for an undivided heart. Now, I was thinking about that, and I was trying to imagine what that would be like. Imagine if in every circumstance, our first and actually only instinct was to praise God. Imagine being so focused on God that everything else in our lives is viewed through this lens. Now I know for myself, when I'm in a difficult situation, my first instinct is not to praise God. I'm usually looking around me desperately, trying to figure out what's going on and how I'm going to fix it. I might pray out of desperation, but it's usually something along the lines of God, please help me fix this. Help me fix this. It's nowhere near I am poor and needy, even if that's actually how I'm feeling. Instead, my prayer is something like, I can do this, but I just need you to play along and do your bit too. Exactly as I tell you. You're laughing, I'm hoping it's because it sounds familiar and you're not laughing at me. Excellent. <laughs> it's like at that point, I'm afraid to admit to God that I'm not able to handle the stuff on my own. I act like I need to come to him with a plan and tell him what his part is in that. Now, you don't know me very well, but my best friend is sitting here and she does, and she knows that I'm a little bit of a control freak. You can ask her later or any of my other friends. They will tell you that I'm the organised one. I have lists in my phone, and I carefully think through the risks and plans before I make a decision on anything. And if something goes wrong, I've usually actually already considered that possibility. So I'm ready to act. Now, I'm that person who always has a carton of long-life milk in the cupboard in case I run out of fresh milk. I don't even like milk, 
but I've got it anyway. I'm the person you come to when you need Panadol or a tissue or a Band-Aid because I've got them in my handbag today. If you need one, see me after the service. And honestly, I'm the person who turned up to preach today with two printed copies of my sermon in case a page went missing. And I have a soft copy on my phone as well. So that's me. I'm printing from my first printed copy, so we're all good. Now these things, they make me a good admin worker, but it's not a good habit for the rest of my life. It's good for me. It's not good for me, sorry, when these tendencies become actually who I am and they influence my relationship with God. Self-reliance might make you a good employee, but it has a way of creeping into every other area of our life. We find ourselves making plans and then telling God to get on board. It's not wrong to be organised and to plan ahead, but this doesn't make us bulletproof. It doesn't mean we don't need God every day. We are not God's employees. We are God's children. And we need to rely on him as a little person does with the big person in their lives. But what if my prayer was, help me to see you already at work here? Help me to remember your faithfulness and that you are ultimately in charge, God. Help me to respond to your leading in this situation. Would that change our perspective? How would it change what we came to expect? Now, if we truly take hold of this, this is a prayer that actually will change our lives. If we can begin 2019 with our eyes on God and carry that focus throughout the year, Imagine how different our daily lives would look. Now what if the first thing we prayed each day was verse 11 of this psalm and we closed our day with verse 12? Then, if we did that, we would begin our day with a prayer that says this, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. We'd go through our day and we finish our day like this. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Now, how could we not pray this and find our perspective changed? How could we not pray this and find ourselves trusting more in God and looking to him to sustain us? Because that is where we find our meaning in life. And that's where our hope is for the future. Psalm 86 is a prayer for God to change us. Not our circumstances, but ourselves. To change our perspective, to position us as poor and needy in order to draw our eyes upward to God. Not so that we feel terrible about ourselves, but to be reminded of who God is, what he has done, what he will continue to do, his promises. This psalm is not centred on us, it's centred on God. Our circumstances change and our struggles come and go. But God is faithful. God is consistent. And it's in God that we need to put our trust. So like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego back in Daniel, we worship God only. Our prayers in the middle of our struggles might still be God save us. But we also say even if he doesn't, we know that he is with us always. So will you pray this prayer with me? I'm going to read verses 11 and 12 from Psalm 86, with some pauses for you to reflect and to pray silently. There's no need for you to pray out loud unless you really want to. There's no need for you to move from your seat. Just an invitation 
to make some space in your heart to pray silently with God and allow him to speak to you too. So will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, at the beginning of our day, teach us your way, Lord. divided hearts that we may fear your name. Father, each day as we come to the end of our day, we will praise you, Lord our God, with all our heart. We will glorify your name forever. 